Hi, everyone, and welcome. You are listening to Speeching It Real, a podcast where I interview future and current speech language pathologists. Here, you can learn all about what it's like to get started in the field, see how paths and interests change, and connect with people going through the same things you are. I am your host, Chris Ubieta, and I am currently a second year grad student at CU Boulder. Quick disclaimer, all statements and opinions on this podcast are not reflections of the organizations or schools associated with the speakers. Each person's words reflect their own opinions, including my own. Hey guys, this week our guest really needs no introduction, but just for funds, we are chatting with Sam from Speaking of Semantics and SLP Test Prep. So let's just jump right into it and get to know Sam a little bit better. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Speeching It Real. I am joined today by Sam. I know everyone is going to be so excited to hear from her today. Sam, how are you? I am doing well. We are taking it day by day, so it's all good. Yeah, so when we before we hopped on, you told me that you are out of California right now and that you made that transition for a little bit. Yes, I did. I'm currently in Southern California, enjoying the lovely beautiful weather that we have here. While trying to figure out the food situation, I am from the East Coast, so I feel like the food, I'm so used to such a variety that coming over here was a little different, but I'm loving it. Honestly, if I could give anyone advice, it's not even five seconds into the podcast and I'm already giving you advice, but uh, get out of your hometown. Try it, even if it's just a month. The food there is interesting because I feel like it's really vegan and very grainy and all natural. Yeah, so you get a lot of that in like the city. And for those who are in like Southern California, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm more in like the, uh, I guess like mountainous area. And there's so much fast food around here and Mm -hmm. I have no willpower. So it's like, oh, I really don't want to cook tonight. Whoops, sorry. I'm going to accidentally pass McDonald's and just grab me a 10 piece. It's so uncommon to see fast food restaurants in the city, like in the city, at least in New York City and here in DC, like I have to try really hard to find a Taco Bell and the closest one that I know of is in Virginia. Exactly. Exactly. So, but I mean, I'm loving it. It's, it's a lot of fun and I'm forcing myself to cook. So oh, well, that's fun. That's a new venture. <laughs> it's a hard one, but yeah. <laughs> so why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Sam. I graduated um, graduate school back in 2019. I kind of knew that I wanted to be some sort of profession that helps others. Um, Speech therapy was kind of put on my radar by my mom when I started undergrad. So I kind of knew in undergrad that I wanted to go for speech. So semester one of undergrad, I was kind of just going for that already. You have to like apply to be in the speech undergrad program and all of that. So I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wasn't going into the grad school application process with the best of GPAs. I had a 3.2 and Um, anyone who's kind of been through the grad school application process knows that if you step foot in front of an advisor and you say, yeah, I'm going to SLP grad school, or I'm trying to, here's my GPA and you show them a 3.2, they'll look at you like you're absolutely crazy. And they'll tell you like, there's no absolute way that any grad school is going to accept you. Try again, like try something new. So I kind of steered away from that because I knew that I would just be setting myself up for disappointment. I applied to eight grad schools. I got into one. That's all I needed. Thank goodness. But 
it's way more common to see that people get into people don't get into more schools than they do get into because it's competitive. It's, you know, grad schools are, are super picky. But so I got into one, uh, I got into that one grad school, put in my deposit, I had to dorm there because it was like way too far to commute from my house, even though it was still in New York. Grad school like was kind of your basic in my dorm room studying all day, every day until I made friends in my grad cohort that were like, you need to get out um, and see the real world. Uh, fast forward to after graduate school, graduated 2019. I then started my clinical fellowship in September of 2019. And uh, then in the middle of my pan- in the middle of my clinical fellowship, the pandemic hit. So it was around March. I had until the end of June to finish my clinical fellowship. And because ASHA didn't specifically say on their website that clinical fellows could work teletherapy, my clinical fellowship supervisor didn't let me work for like a month. So I was fresh out of grad school, not knowing what the heck was going on with the world, thinking that my student loan payments were about to start. So at this point, I was not making money because I was fee for service. So at the time, before COVID, it was fine because I was in a school building with hundreds of kids I could have seen if someone was absent. But now I'm sitting home relying on high schoolers to answer a Zoom call when no one knows what the heck is going on in the world. So I turned to my creative side and that's how I started speaking of semantics. This is a little fun fact. I don't know that many people know, but before speaking of semantics, it was called speaking of semantics. It was called Sam a Sam Speechy Glam. And I'm so glad that my boyfriend <laughs> sat me down one day and was like, Hey, let's think about changing this name if you're going to like continue going with this. Oh my. Um, but then I, you know, bought a cricket machine. I was, it was an impulsive buy. I started making stickers. And then as I started to become or kind of putting out more about myself on Instagram, I realized that there was a huge gap in the Instagram world of speech pathology that almost 99.9% of the stuff out there was for licensed SLPs. And mm-hmm. I was just like, why are we not helping our graduate students who are the legit like future of this profession? Everyone just, I felt that everyone just kind of looked at grad students like, hey, yeah, uh, good luck with this. Like, let me know when you graduate because then I can help you. And I was like, why is that fair? So that's how kind of speaking of Smith, it started. Sorry, that was like a really long, thorough explanation. That was amazing. So I want to jump into so many things, but just because it was right at the top of my head, do you feel like there's more information out there now? Like, do you feel like the community is opening up more and, and welcoming in graduate students? Absolutely. I think that we have the pandemic to thank for that. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the good things that came out of the pandemic is that everyone was home. Everyone realized, hey, I'm really good at this one part of speech pathology. I'm going to make an Instagram page for it. And now there's so much out there. What worries me now is that there's so much out there that it's almost overwhelming but I do think yeah there's a lot more kind of SLP influencers or on Instagram that are talking more about graduate students because it also comes down to the language most posts before COVID only said SLPs so that mm-hmm. completely took out SLPAs and it took about future SLPs I can't relate to a post if I'm still in grad school and this is only talking about SLPs so it's more about the language too but so I find that the language is more inclusive to future SLPs SLPAs and speech pathologists for sure I mean that's kind of what I'm doing here a lot of that breaking down those walls and learning a lot from one another learning from different areas I recently found out that some schools don't offer all of I mean this is sounds silly but like some schools offer different classes And I thought they were much more similar than I'm learning about. Like, for example, 
a lot of people don't have an AAC course or it's combined with ASD or special populations. And so I think having those conversations and making people more aware of what other opportunities and what other universities offer is so important. There's so many schools. You can't figure out what all of them offer. So, And you also don't know right away which one's the most interesting one for you or what what's the most exciting because you think you might like one thing and then you get into it and it's completely different. Absolutely. Yeah. Most people either go into grad school knowing exactly who they want to work with mm-hmm. after grad school or they have absolutely no idea. And those two types of people should be able to experiment with things that are different than either what they think they want or what they know they want. Um, And I think that grad school is that place to experiment with that because any other after graduate school, if you want to experiment with a whole new population, that's a full on job you're getting. That is a full on, you know, contract that you're signing. And who knows if you're actually going to like this. Absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit more about your graduate school experience. You touched on a little bit of it. Did you feel like your graduate school experience really prepared you for what you were going to get into when you graduated? Um, I will say I absolutely loved my alma mater. I did go to a sort of specialized graduate school, I think. And this is the statistic that they gave me when I applied. So I don't know if it's still as true, but Mm -hmm. it was one of five medically based SLP graduate schools. I didn't even know that when I applied, quite honestly. (laughs) application process, I was just doing, clicking off whatever schools that were nearby. Like I I didn't even have advisors telling me like what schools I should be applying to versus what aren't. I looked at the statistics, mm-hmm. what schools are the best. And I just kind of went with that. But um, I really do believe that my graduate school prepared me for the real world. And I say that because I did have those specialized class. I had an AAC class. I had a full class on counseling, but that is not universal all around. There are tons and tons of stories I hear of students who, let's say, know they want to specialize in craniofacial abnormalities and their school had one single presentation on it in some other class. And it's sad because at that point, the student's going to graduate they're going to try to find some sort of clinical fellowship within that scope, you know, whether that is a job that they're dealing with craniofacial abnormality clients or whether it's not. But it is then all up to that student or sorry, that clinical fellow at that point to pay for classes to help them get the knowledge that they were supposed to get. Mm-hmm. And that's why what you're saying before, like, I think that there should be some sort of more universal class directory for grad for grad schools because how is it fair that I got that experience but someone else who may have paid the same amount or maybe even more for their grad school did it yeah and there's so many universities that don't offer niche areas and of course a lot of them say it's because we have to have this generalized approach and not only that there's only so much we can add to the curriculum so you have to continue to do continuing ed I think it would be so cool if universities had um, like additional seminars that you could take. I know they have a lot, like some universities have electives, but why can't electives be like the university pays for you to do a continuing education that you want to do for an independent study or something of that sort? Like it's so hard to know you want to do something with craniofacial abnormalities, like you said, if you don't even know that's a thing until you get into one class that says it one day and you're like, oh, whoa, that's really cool. So it's a that's lot of that missing information before you even get there. Yeah. And, you know, I I don't always want to kind of point my finger at grad schools because I think that grad schools have so much on their plate to get you from in the door to graduation. They have so much. 
But I think looking at grad school as a whole, it is so heavily based off of theory. Mm-hmm. I learned tons and tons of theories and the background of language. And granted, that is important. But then you throw me out into the real world and it's like, great, I know all these theories, but I have a student sitting in front of me who doesn't want to do an activity I plan. What the heck do I do then? Mm-hmm. Those theories aren't going to help me then. Mm-hmm. Or what the heck happens when I'm sitting in an IEP meeting, having learned only about the experience of an IEP meeting, but I have no idea what what to say, what how to talk to the parents. There's just so many little parts of speech pathology that aren't specifically taught in grad school that, you know, we get thrown out into our clinical fellowship day one. And that's why we're drowning. And we feel like that's when that imposter syndrome kind of drips in because we don't have experience with this and we kind of have to learn it on our own. Yeah. The universities definitely lean into, and I guess it makes sense because the only thing, the only way to really get the knowledge is to have the experiences. So I think they lean a lot on your externships and your internships and what those offer and give to you, but you can't, unfortunately, we can't work in every single setting before we get started, even though they try to tell us to work in a school setting before, or they try to tell us that we need to get a hospital setting before, or different things like that. You you can't do every setting, and you can't be fully prepared, and so they lean into the CFY and the clinical internships and externships that hopefully give you that experience, and then you're main base of knowledge is that one experience that you had rather than a variety of experiences and a variety of different expectations. So what is a really rewarding and or positive experience that you had in grad school that has given you motivation? Um, I would say my supervisors were really amazing in graduate school. I still talk to all of them, but I think that kind of looking back on grad school and realizing like who I was the first day versus who I was closer to graduation that I grew so much as a clinician. And I feel like not not many grad students realize how much they grow because in grad school, we're constantly being looked under a magnifying glass, right? And, you know, being given advice and all this. So we don't realize that like this advice that we're being given closer to graduation is way different than we've been given in the beginning. And Mm -hmm. I just think that seeing the growth and the confidence they've gotten was really cool to kind of see throughout grad school. I mean, I think back to my first client and I was shaking in my bones. I wore black because I knew I was going to be sweating from every part of my body because it's scary. Mm -hmm. You think, you know, grad school is so exciting. We get so excited to go there. We finally did it. And then we get put in front of our first client. We're kind of just like, what the heck do we do? Like, I have no idea. Um, So I think just, you know, feeling or thinking about my confidence and how much that has grown has been really cool. Yeah. I think even I've, I'm only just starting my second year. I think looking back, I've learned so much, even Honestly, my last podcast, my first podcast to now, which was only, what, three months ago, I feel like I've grown so much and learned so much and can hold a conversation so much better literally within a couple of months. Like, it's crazy to see where I'm going to be in a year from now. And I think it's a really cool thing to go back and reflect on. Even like looking at applications, like what you submitted when you were looking at stuff. It's like, oh, wow, I thought that's what I was going to be doing. Oh, yeah. That's why, like, I thought I was going to come out of grad school, be a medically-based speech pathologist. I would totally fall into the trap of thinking that, like, medical speech pathologists are superior, they look cooler, they are cooler, they know more. In reality, every single SLP knows 
exactly what they need to know. They know the niche part of speech pathology that they are working with. Mm -hmm. And that is amazing. I mean, I fell into that trap of thinking that med SLPs were superior. So I finished my clinical fellowship. My clinical fellowship was in a high school. The pandemic had a little to do with that, but I was so sick of, I was just done with the schools because I was relying on high schoolers. They never answered all of that stuff. And then I immediately switched to home health care, geriatric patients. I was going into the houses and could have been wrong time, but I absolutely hated it. Mm. And I had to kind of stand with myself and I cried every time I got home. It was just so much. I don't think that I was ready to be that independent. I just didn't work as well with the older population than I did with the high schoolers or the younger kids. I just had so much going on and I had to really sit myself down. My family sat my my family sat me down and then I had to sit myself down to be like, I am really just disappointing myself by continuing to be here when I know that this is not what I want. Mm -hmm. And a decision like that is really hard to make, especially because I had only been there for like 30 days. And I was like, do I give it a couple more months? I know that this is, I wake up miserable every day. I, you know, nothing is clicking. Mm -hmm. So I put my two weeks in, I was there for like a month and a half and I left. And that was really hard because as someone who like has really big people pleasing tendencies, I felt like I was disappointing my clients, the employer, the people who interviewed me. I was like, wow, they probably feel like they wasted their time training me and all of that. But at the end of the day, I listened to my, what my body was telling me that this wasn't right. And I think that that's what you kind of have to look within sometimes, you know, I know we're on a way different topic here, but so many parts of speech pathology and your clinical fellowship doesn't have to be your dream one. I think that it is more than okay to jump around different jobs your first couple of years of grad of after grad school. Um, a lot of students kind of feel like they need to come out and immediately find their dream job or like, that's it. They're done. They're never going to get it. When that's not true, your dream job may come five years later. And that's more than okay. But yeah, so if you're at a job that doesn't feel comfy or in an externship or you're in some sort of experience where you're feeling like this isn't good, someone is not treating me right or whatever the case is, speak up and speak out about it. Because the more you stay quiet, the more you're just kind of hurting yourself. I was crying every, and granted, I'm super dramatic, but <laughs> I was crying every single day just because I just didn't feel happy. What kind of advice or thought process would you recommend for people who have that stigma of med SLPs are better or this whatever setting is better than the other setting? What are some of the ways that you either yourself talk about for, to help you navigate those or maybe even advice that you've given to people who've reached out since you are a big voice in the community and people do want to reach out to you and get advice from you? I think that I got caught in the whole like white coat sort of theory that like, oh, med SLPs got the white coat. They learned more about medical stuff. But I think what really helped me realize that that wasn't for me was trying it. I know that you get externships in grad school. Some people have more um, control over what kind of externships they get and some don't depending on what your grad school does. But reach out to whoever's kind of giving you those grad school externships and say, hey, I would like a medical placement and a school placement. Try both. Try everything in graduate school because I'm someone who can turn around and say home health care is really sucky for me. 
but I could talk to someone else who absolutely loved it. So there are so many opinions around different parts of speech pathology, but most of those opinions are someone else's. You have to know what your opinion is Mm -hmm. of it. You have to know how it makes you feel. I would have never known that I dislike home health care until I was absolutely in it, until I was sitting in a car outside of some patient's house, having to use the bathroom, not having anywhere else to go. And I was like, wow, this is just not for me. Maybe it was my location, whatever it is, but don't knock it until you try it. And that's with everything. Grad school is the place to experiment with everything experiment with adults, with younger clients, volunteer for experiences that you may have never said yes to, because at the end of the day, you could just assure yourself like, yep, that's not something I want to do around and come out of it and be like, wow, she really liked that. I want to try something else like that. I think that's such great advice because sometimes you pigeonhole yourself because you think you have this passion because society's been saying it's your passion or because the money is where the passion is. But if you If you think about it, and with what you're saying, if you love medical, you should do a medical externship. But if you have to do two externships, why not try another area? Because you never know. You might actually like that other thing so much more. Exactly. My favorite thing to say lately, and I saw this on TikTok, I forgot who it was, but what's so bad about that? Like, you didn't get a good grade on the test. What's so bad about that? What are you going to do afterwards? How are you going to pick yourself up? You know, I think that a lot of the times you get so influenced by what other people are doing around us, especially in small cohorts. It's so easy to get trapped in someone else's view of something. Mm-hmm. Always try things yourself. Always make your own opinion about something because at the end of the day, what you like could be completely different from what someone else likes. Absolutely. So We're about to get into this new school semester in a couple of weeks. Some people may have already started. What advice do you have for first-time, first-semester graduate students? Buckle up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Grad school is going to be two hard years. No one goes into grad school saying like, yeah, this is going to be easy. We all know that. I'm just reiterating something you already know. But what I need you to do is really be in tune with yourself. Treat yourself like a client. I will stand by that forever. Clients need breaks. They need recess. So do you. Eat a snack, go outside, get some sort of, you know, different activity on your calendar that doesn't have to do with school every day. And it could be the smallest of activities. Sitting on the couch watching TikToks for 10 for 10 minutes is better than sitting there dragging yourself out studying when you're not actually focusing. An analogy I like to kind of give, and this is also something from TikTok, but you can either decide to be a speedboat or a sailboat in grad school. We know that it's two years. We know it's going to be hard. We know what comes at the end. You're going to graduate. You're going to get a job. And then you're going to be an SLP for the rest of your life, right? There's, I mean, unless there there are tons of other different places you can go, PhD, teaching, all of that. But most people come out and we're SLPs for the rest of our lives, Right. Some people want to rush through grad school and be that speedboat and just try to get through whatever. But I encourage people to be the sailboat throughout grad school. I encourage you to be that person who volunteers for things that are really scary because at the end of the day, you were a student and you were allowed to make mistakes. I encourage you to sit back and take a second, take pictures of your journey, take pictures of the the, the times that you're crying 
in your car because you just got a really bad grade. And I know that sounds crazy, but you're going to look back in a week, in a month at graduation and say, wow, it was really hard, but you know what? I did it. And I think the biggest part about, or the hardest part about surviving grad school is really believing in yourself. I think that grad school application process tears us down to feel like we are the absolute just garbage on the floor that we need to prove why we deserve to be there. You don't, you already did with your application. You deserve a spot there, they gave it to you. And now it's your time to get every single thing out of this education that you can. You are paying thousands and thousands of dollars. You need to make sure you're getting the education that you deserve for spending all this money. If you have a question, ask it. Who's judging you? Let those people judge you. If they're going to judge you, that's something that they need to figure out within themselves. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. Let the people around you judge you, which I don't think that they actually are, but I know that sometimes what we kind of figure when we're scared to kind of talk up and talk out about things that we misunderstood. This is your journey. You are in complete control of your your journey. You know, there are certain things that come on your journey that we may not have expected, but we can't plan everything. Mm -hmm. Worrying about the unknown of of what's going to happen next is going to take up so much time and so much energy. Things will come, things will happen. You'll have good days and you'll have bad days. And every single day is part of your journey, whether it's good or bad. I love that. And you said take pictures when you're crying, when you're happy, everything. My roommate is totally going to like obsess over what I'm about to say. Yes, this is for you. I am still not downloading Be Real. But if you are starting grad school, I think a Be Real is an amazing way to look back at your time and see like how often you are doing something fun, how often you are with your friends. You're going to see just how much you are with people in your cohort. You're going to see just how much you are with your friends, taking those moments and really appreciating them. Looking back on our last year in some of those B-reels from my roommate, I was like, wow, we had so much fun. We struggled. We were trying. We were in school like all the freaking time, but we had such a good time together. We were giggling and laughing and there and then we were studying and then we were smiling and then we were studying and then we were working out and like it was great to look back and see all of our experiences and even those just like day by day quick little checking out it's it's really cool to look back on yeah because I think that when you're in grad school and correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't been grad school in like four years but when you have a bad day, it's so easy to come up with hundreds and hundreds of things of why you suck as a person. Oh, yeah. I wrote so much. I got a bad grade. I got all of this. But mm-hmm. at least the pictures give you something physical to look at and say, you know what? I'm not doing it half as bad as my brain convinces me of. Mm-hmm. This is proof that two weeks ago, even though I got a really bad grade, I was laughing about it. Mm-hmm. And that's that. that is what makes the grad school experience. We don't realize how many things we do because the days go by really slow, but I feel like by the, you know, within a blink of an eye, we're at graduation and we're like, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of my posts on, on speaking of semantics, I have hundreds and hundreds of pictures of when I'm in the grad school and people are like, why do you have so many pictures? I'm like, I just documented every single part of my life so that I can look back and say, hey, I did this. I'm doing a good job, even though my brain is convincing me not. One thing that I really like to do, and I still do this now, like outside of grad school, is I have an album in my phone called Pick Me Ups. Whenever I got like a good grade, a 
you know, a message from someone that was really heartfelt, a message from a professor, a, you know, pick me up text message from my mom, anything that made me smile and happy, I screenshot it and I put me into that pick me up album. Because on days where I couldn't get myself to be happy, be excited or anything, I go back into that photo album. And again, it's just physical proof that you're doing a good job. It's really easy to think of all the bad things right now. But here's proof that there's good things also. A hundred percent. That leads me into a, a big question. And you've given a lot of advice on this already, but we can think about it just a little more. People that are in grad school now or have been in or about to get started, you face hard times. Things happen, bad grades, life, really hard classes, even if the grade isn't there, like the class might not be coming to you as easily. What is some advice that you have for people who are struggling in their program, either with something mentally or their performance isn't what they want it to be? What can help? Obviously, this this helps. But <laughs> Yeah, and also asking for help. I think that it's so hard, and I'll talk more on a personal level than generalizing, but I think even for myself as a grad student, it was so hard for me to accept that I needed help with something. I was someone who, if I didn't get it in class the first day, I would go home and try to teach myself over and over, find resources. When in reality, my professors were getting paid to teach me. If I didn't understand something, I could have easily just scheduled um like an office hour with them to say, hey, I'm not understanding this. Mm -hmm. Or uh, I I was also in my professor's office a lot for like test remediations. I am just not a good test taker ever. You test me on the alphabet and I guarantee you I will get something wrong just because I'm, I don't do well in, in, in environments like that. Um, so I think my biggest point of advice to someone who's about to step foot in grad school is really, really try to change your mindset about things. And this is something that's not going to come overnight. This is something that's going to take a long time to kind of help yourself get through. I'm still working myself through it. But mindset is everything. You get a bad test grade, what's so bad about it? And what are you going to do about it now, right? Test grades are not to say you're going to be a really great SLP if you get 100 or you're going to be a really crappy SLP if you get a 60. No, it's just telling you data on, hey, these are the things you understood. And these are the things that aren't clicking so much. What are you going to do with those things that aren't clicking so much? Because mm -hmm. walk away and be disappointed and cry about it. But then those things that didn't stick could come up in the praxis later. So it's all about what you're doing to make yourself better by 1% every single day. I think that we get on this kind of kick of trying to change the world every single day. Mm -hmm. All you need to do is just change something to be 1% better tomorrow. Whether that's reaching out to a professor for help, reaching out to a friend. It doesn't always have to be a professor. It could be a friend. It could be a professor that teaches something else, but maybe they, the way they explain something really clicks with you. Mindset is everything. Test grades mean nothing in the real world if you are not going to go for your PhD afterwards. They mean nothing. Not a single person outside of grad school has ever asked me a grade I got on a grad school test, the grade I got on the praxis, what my GPA was in grad school. They only care about that piece of paper that I got at graduation, that very expensive, <laughs> very expensive piece of paper. Um, <laughs> but also the person who's going to bust their butt to get straight A's and the person who kind of just did the best that they can, has some A's, has some B's, has some C's. 
each one of those people get the same exact paper at the end of this. Mm -hmm. So try not to drive yourself crazy, reaching a level of perfection that's going to be nothing in the real world. Absolutely. I think a lot of that is very encouraging to think about because in our field, but probably in almost every field, people are really hard on themselves. People are trying to just do their best, but then they're also never think that what they're doing is good enough. And I think that happens, like I said, in every in every aspect of life and in every career path. But then I think it's tenfold in those paths where you're helping people in helping professions and you want to feel like you're giving somebody who you're helping everything. And that's why a lot of us in this career path are empaths or are very apathetic or are very in touch and in tune with our clients and their emotions and we want to do better and we want to be a part of that. I like how part of what you're talking about is that we're looking inward and we're also improving ourselves so that we can improve and be best for who we're working with. Yeah, because I, I think that it's hard to control everything else. We can't control the supervisors we get. Mm-hmm. We can't control how they teach us. We can't control the professors. We can't control any of that. So what we can control is how we react to situations like that. And again, this, it's not going to come easy. I've cried tons of times because of a bad grade. And give yourself, let yourself feel those feelings. It's okay to cry. No one is expecting this to be an easy kind of two years. But after you give yourself an hour, what are you going to do next? Are you going to get yourself those, that Taco Bell to make your ha- yourself happy? And then you're going to schedule something with your professor? That's what we want to see, right? We want, it's okay to be sad, but what are your actions afterwards? Mm -hmm. For sure. So let's go into some questions I received when I posted and asked me anything on my Instagram. Oh my gosh, I forgot the name of Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the biggest, most popular questions I got was, what do you do? What is your day to day? What is your life? Are you an SLP? Give us a day in the life. (laughs) Okay. Right now, I'm currently not practicing. Um, A lot of that has to do with the fact that we moved out here to California. I didn't want to get like a temporary license or any of that. I kind of just wanted to use this year, honestly, to figure out who I am. Because I think that coming out of grad school, going right into the real world, and then also creating my business was a lot. Um, So not currently practicing right now. However, me and five friends from grad school are opening a private practice together when I do get when I get back to New York. I will eventually start practicing again and I'll be working with that life skills kind of high school population. But as of right now, I am not working being a speech therapist. Every day is more hectic than the next, but I do run every aspect of speaking and semantics and the SLP test prep myself. So I make everything that comes out of Instagram. Um, I answer all the DMs. I answer all the customer service emails. So although it may not seem like a lot, all those little tasks kind of add up to like a full day of work. On top of that, I also do the SLP test prep. That's kind of my uh, newest child that I spend a lot of time on. Um, So what I do with that is I create all the questions. I create all the cahoots, all the recordings, and I create all the worksheets. So a day by day would usually look like in the morning I wake up. I um, mosey on into my office, I pack orders, answer customer service emails, and then I'll transition into doing things for the SLB test prep. Um, Right now, it is the middle of August, and I'm working with the web designer to do a new SLB test prep. 
um, website. So a lot of little things that kind of make a full day of, of work. Um, but yeah, not practicing, just doing my little businesses. I mean, you're helping a ton of people with your businesses. So just not your little business. Okay, we'll do a sure. couple more questions. And then I really want to get into a ton more about your the SLP uh, test prep, and then a lot about your business in general. So another question, drop the skincare routine, girl. <laughs> oh my god I, I literally am wearing two pimple patches right now <laughs> I can't see them <laughs> um I use everything that my um esthetician kind of gives me she's back in New York I could send you the stuff because I don't know it off the top of my head um but she is a creator of skin and soul so any skin and soul item is heaven sent from her but I'm also really bad at routine so don't think that this is like an every night thing. This is like when I remember and I am not sleeping on the couch and then running up to bed and sleeping there. So fair enough. I have to be truthful. I have to be truthful. How do you I mean, it's hard to know your skincare routine off the top of your head. You're not expecting people to be seeking that out on this yeah. podcast today. <laughs> okay, another one, and I'm looking at my phone just to make sure I have them correctly. Mm-hmm. What are some of the tips that you have for someone who's starting a merch and or insta page for the SLPs? Oh, that's a fun one. I will say, very exciting. There is room for everyone. But be careful with inspiration versus like full on copying. The field is very small. I mean, granted, there's a thousand ways to write. Everyone deserves a voice in a bunch of different colors and a bunch of different fonts. So there's definitely room for everyone. Just be careful with inspiration versus copying. Um, a business will really teach you how to have a backbone, which I never really had. I'm like always a people pleasing kind of make everyone happy sort of thing, Mm -hmm. but it really helps you like build a backbone, stick to your policies. Um, and what else could I kind of give? Have fun with it. Starting a business is so fun because you are in charge of everything. Be creative, have lots of fun. Know that there will always, 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 be someone out there who doesn't like what you do. I'm someone who expected everyone to be like, oh my gosh, I love this until the one star review started coming in. And I found myself again, crying to my mom being like, why do these people hate me? (laughs) But at the end of the day, not everyone will like what you're doing. And the people that don't like it will let you more, let you know more often than the people who do like it. That's so true. The haters going to hate the lovers say nothing. (laughs) <laughs> new quote true. throw that on yeah. a sticker <laughs> yeah. what um what are some of the clinical settings that you've worked in and what was your favorite so I did my clinical fellowship in a high school and then I transitioned into the home health care and then after that um speaking of semantics was getting like a little too hectic for me to be doing like full-time SLP jobs and doing the sticker orders. And at that time, I also was starting my SLP test prep. So what I did was I just did maternity leaves here and there. Um, so the maternity leave I did after the home health care was another high school. And then the maternity leave I did after that was also another high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most recent one was a supervisor from grad school who was pregnant and I was taking over her job while she was on maternity leave. So this is just a little input I'm going to put in there. Make sure you keep contact with your old supervisors because you never know when there's going to be a job that opens. I love that. I love that you're jumping around and kind of fulfilling things in different ways. Like you don't 
I don't think people like innately think that that's an opportunity or an option. And that's one of the cool things about our field. Like you can always, there's always something a little different. Always, always. And um, I, I would say my favorite one is high school. <laughs> yeah, I just really love the high school population. I I do want to at some point go back to the home health care and be like, okay, was this really not for me? Or was it just kind of like wrong time? But high school is my favorite. I feel like I never hear that. So that's pretty cool to know. And this is another thing too. I had no idea I wanted to be a high school speech therapist until for my first externship, I got placed in a high school. So before, you know, my feelings about this were like, oh my gosh, I look like a high schooler. This is not what I want to do. High schoolers have so much attitude. Like, how am I going to get them? It's so easy to just be in front of a child and be like, oh, big colors. But if you do that in front of a high schooler, they'll just curse you out. But no, they're going to be gone in seconds. Exactly. Perfect example of like something I never thought I wanted to do. I got placed in an externship that was in high school. And most, almost all my experiences after graduating have been with a high school. I really just don't hear about high school a lot. And I think that's really cool experience. And I think just talking about it more would be really fun on your Instagram too. Just telling people more about it. Cause it's just not, I feel like it's not a setting and a population people talk about as much because people don't expect there to be a lot of SLPs in high schools. Yeah. So like my day to day, it it depends on. So I was at one high school and I had two totally different experiences there. The first time I was there was for my externship and I was within the life skills classroom. Um, and that was a classroom full of students who kind of stayed in that classroom and did more life skills things. So they did gardening, cooking, um, cleaning. They did uh, like neighborhood activities where we would go out to Walmart and they would have to practice how to do self-checkout, all of those things. And I love doing that stuff. Then I went back to cover my supervisor's position. She was more in the mainstream. Um, She had more of like the mainstream kids where it would be, they come into my room and it's more, a lot more like literacy, uh, problem solving, executive functioning stuff. So that's a lot of the stuff that you'll deal with in in high school, executive functioning, life skills, college preparations, transferring skills for like test taking from the speech therapy room into their actual academic classroom. So it's lots of fun. I like it because I think that it feels like I'm making more of an impact with students like that Mm -hmm. because I get to see them go off to college or whatever they're going to do. The life skills part of it is so cool. I recently heard someone saying that they worked at a high school that's all they work on with people and that's all they do is making sure that they're set up to do things like that because post graduation that's most likely what they're going to be doing not going to school and I think that's so neat it is definitely fun and you definitely have fun because you're dealing with kids who think they're way too cool for school at this point and um I just challenge myself to not give them attitude back but sometimes (laughs) it just slips out and they're like whoa like yeah Yeah. don't mess with me Oh, yeah. So let's jump into some social media things. Let's learn a little bit more about what you're doing there. You talked a little bit about how you got into your Instagram and how you started doing that. But why did you want to do that? Like what motivated you to? I know you said the lack of content. I I knew but didn't know that I was always a creative person. Like it was one of those things that felt like it came so naturally to me that I didn't even realize that I was like kind of good at it. 
now thinking back to it, my dad is a video editor and I guess he's been like teaching me all this stuff since I was little. So it was kind of in my nature, but I just really love doodling. My purpose for Instagram, my Instagram page, anything that I post is to be some sort of fresh breath of air when someone sees it on their feed. Cause I think that Instagram is filled with a lot of perfection and all of that stuff that I wanted to kind of make a space out there for someone who doesn't feel perfect to realize like, Hey, none of us are perfect. Like we're all just kind of really just winging it and figuring it out Mm -hmm. day by day. And I knew that I was someone who wasn't perfect. And I came in with a lower GPA, you know, a non-traditional student who doesn't learn very well from someone just like putting up a, a presentation and all of that. And I was just like, I can't be the only one. So I promised myself that like, if I was really going to go all in with this social media page that I promised to always be who I truly was and never trying to, you know, make it so that I was trying to please my followers. No, if you're on my page and you follow me, it's because you know exactly who I am and that's it. I'm just as real as possible. But I, I'm trying to think what um, kind of led me to the Instagram page. I don't know. I just, I felt a calling and I felt that if my story inspired one person to apply to grad school with a lower GPA and they got in, like my job was done. Yeah. Yeah. So you've talked, you've been very vulnerable and very open about how the praxis was difficult for you when you first took it and that you passed, I think you said by one point. Yeah. So how do you, well, and I don't know if this is an insensitive way to ask this. I'm just asking, but how did you get the confidence to say, I can make a test prep and a study for people? Do people ever question that, that you didn't do as well? So like, why should they trust you? How do you feel like you are able to to put this forward and keep educating people, even if someone might, you know, refute you from your experience? Yeah, well, I, uh, so the reason I created the SLP test prep was because I felt like there was not much out there other than just answer a question, get it right or wrong, answer it another question, get it right or wrong, and another question, get it right or wrong, mm-hmm. and just like a plain website that was white and black and driving me crazy. So I was just like, there has to be some sort of more fun way to make information digestible. I think that the way that I um, study for the practice was very ineffective. Um, and I'm trying to help students realize that studying from a textbook like I tried to do studying from this advanced review book and trying to memorize it from front to back is not benefiting you at all and it's probably going to drive you even more crazy Mm -hmm. I haven't had anyone specifically kind of say like um that they didn't trust me because of my grade but I'm very open about it and I think that it just goes to prove that you can be a successful SLP and still get a practice score that's one point above passing I think that yeah. the practice doesn't really tell us much about how great of an SLP we're going to be. I just think it tells us, I, th- I just think it tells you who spent a lot of money on preparing and who is good at answering questions. Cause that's really all it is. Most yeah. of the time in the real world, you don't have these black and white scenarios where there's one specific answer. So I always wanted to kind of create something that helps students who didn't learn the traditional way. And that's kind of how I'm here. And yeah. I think that, I think that it's a, I think it's it's working for for students who have a hard time just kind of sitting in front of a textbook, especially after either a long day of externship or class. Absolutely. I think one of the things that I think you got to, one, learn from your experience and learn from what studying techniques don't work. I think, two, people like to 
learn from aesthetically pleasing things. Like that is a helpful way to learn color coordinating. That's why that's a big thing in studying. Like really good structuring and in, in, in how you set up your paper or how you take notes. It's all really important for how you retain the information and how you find it successful. So one, I think that's a really great way that you offer information. And then two, I think that vulnerability and showing that the information, you know the information, like you already know it. It's that test taking strategies are different for different people and also test taking itself is different for different people. Like you probably can recall a lot of this information, yet sitting in a room with nobody around and you have to be completely quiet for three hours is anxiety inducing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, and shoot, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, so another thing too is that I... I'm open about everything. I'm an open book. You can ask me about anything and I will tell you how it is because there's no purpose on hiding it. If it's going to help you on your journey, then what's the purpose of hiding it? There are other test prep programs out there. And I tell people there are other things out there. If something else works better for you, I'm so happy for you. Like mm -hmm. I want people to go for what is best for them. Yeah. And I feel as though there wasn't something for students who don't learn in the traditional way, students who have ADHD, students who, you know, have learning disabilities, students who, you know, I've had tons of um, moms come on and, and, you know, say that they don't have much time to study. So listening to a video on four times the speed was a lot better than having to sit down and answer questions. And not to say that I'm comparing any test prep programs because there's something for everyone out there. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm just as transparent as possible. If you like this, or if you are bothered by my 162 then i don't know go, <laughs> go somewhere but else yeah, it's just the people who make the textbook didn't have to take the test did they yeah also like it's just a silly test mm -hmm. it's just another checkbox so how do you curate your questions or how do you do you come up with them on your own do you use sample questions and then curate and modify them how does that work so I really just sit with this advanced review book all day long, and I use the um, index in the back to help me create answer choices. And then out of those answer choices, I decide which one is right, and then I'll create a, some sort of scenario in there um, or just a straightforward question. So the questions are either scenario-based or more straightforward. Mm -hmm. Those straightforward questions are more to help you realize like, okay, had this been the day of the praxis? and I wouldn't have gotten this question right, how can I study it so that I'll actually be able to get it right on the day of the praxis? Mm. A big part of your message on social media and with the SLP test prep is that you have courses and you offer webinars for grad students. What is your most popular service and how do you recommend people take your services and or courses? I would say the most popular is the SLP test prep, um, the unlimited subscription, because it gives you and everything and anything that we've ever offered from the first day we started the SLP test prep. Um, if you do want to subscribe, you can go to SLP test prep on Instagram and in the bio, there's a link to subscribe on Patreon. Mm -hmm. We are in the process of getting off of Patreon and onto our own website. Um, awesome. so once we get, yeah, that's super exciting. I'm really, really exciting. It's a big project, but hopefully it will be out soon. Um, but within that, if you, um, with our new website, it'll be a lot easier to give like cohort uh, discount codes for students who want to sign up in a group rather than just by themselves. All of that. If you are interested in maybe trying this to see if it if it's something good for you, I do initial meetings that I come and I present cahoots and 
I know we're backtracking a lot, but I really meant to say this before. Initial meetings and inviting special guests, let's say from Instagram, are a really good way if your school doesn't give those niche kind of classes, having like a, a, a monthly initial meeting and inviting like people who are really good at craniofacial abnormalities or all of that is a good way to get your cohort access to that stuff, especially as a student, because some people don't usually charge for that. But going back to everything else. Yeah. That's awesome. No, that's great information to include. And and as a group, yeah, you could just ask a random person in the area. If you go to your like your your conference for your state conference and you ask someone there or someone in your cohort is able to go and meet people and then bring them back to your university. That's a really, really great tool. Yeah. Why should people use your services? Let's just let's just blow it up, girl. Tell me about it. Because you need to, not just saying. Um <laughs> I feel that my SLP test prep is very lighthearted and fun. And that was part of my mission statement when I started. I didn't want to be just another test prep program that felt miserable when studying. So we have lots of fun. We sometimes make inappropriate like jokes to remember things, but Necessary. Hey, whatever exactly, whatever helps you remember things is that. Um we have, we do have lots of fun. Also, it keeps you accountable. Every Tuesday we have a live session. You don't have to come. It's not mandatory. Nothing is mandatory as part of my SLP test prep. It's just kind of like, here are all the resources that I've created. You take and you do what you need in the timeline that you need. I didn't want students to feel like they needed to be pressured to do everything on there. I'm just trying to create a library of resources that help you study that's not just picking up a textbook and trying to memorize it. Mm -hmm. Um, My goal with every question I ask afterwards is to break it down as simple and as digestible as possible. I didn't want to just sit here and give you definitions with long words and all that where you had to like later on go teach yourself. No, I'm going to break it down for you as simple and as small as possible so that you actually remember it and understand it. So that if you have a praxis question that comes up on the day of the test and you've seen a vocabulary word that you've worked with before on the Kahoot, it will feel comfortable. It will feel familiar and it will allow you to be able to identify or use process of elimination to identify the answer. That's awesome. One more question on this. What comes with the unlimited package? So the unlimited package, you get access to all our previously recorded cahoots. Um, You get access to all the mini cahoots, all the worksheets, all of the crash courses we've held. You get everything we offer. The other option is a worksheet option. That is more for people who are not ready to take the Praxis yet, or maybe have already taken the Praxis, but they want to keep up their skills. With that tier, you only get our PDF worksheets. Okay. How early do you advise people start studying for the Praxis? So it's a little hard to answer that question because there's no like direct kind of like correct answer. Mm -hmm. It's really all based on the student. Some students really thrive with um, cramming. So that's someone who maybe will spend one month with all these resources, cram really hard, and then take the praxis. Mm -hmm. What I think is most lax is three months. Give yourself three months. This way, those three months can be only weekdays that you're studying and maybe an hour or two a day, as opposed to cramming where you're studying like four or five hours a day, because I mean, granted that works for some people, but for me, four to five hours by hour two, I, my brain would be shut off. (laughs) So it really depends on how you are as a studier. I would say three months is safe. 
Um, it gives you the ability to kind of like ease into studying, not studying every day and not studying for too long every single day. Perfect. And what is one piece of advice that you have for people who are preparing to start studying for the Praxis? So if you're studying within the SLP test prep program, what I always suggest um, them to do is just start with a Kahoot. It doesn't have to be the first one. It doesn't have to be the last one. The Kahoots all have, if they're not topic specific, they have a little bit of everything on it. Start with a Kahoot and see what questions you get wrong, right? So studying for the praxis isn't about studying everything all over. Studying for the praxis is really focusing on the stuff that's hard for you because why would you waste your time studying the cranial nerves? If you could close your eyes, say them in your sleep, right? There's no sense in studying that if you already know it. Yeah. So really focus on the questions you're getting incorrect. And that's too, if you're not doing the SLP test prep, I know there's tons of questions with the advanced review book and there's other test preps out there, but really, really focus on the questions you're getting wrong. Mm-hmm. Write down that topic. So if you get a question wrong about, I don't know, flu and aphasia, write it down. And then when you're independently studying, use that you know, write down on like a study sheet, but then use that study sheet to then create a personalized study sheet for yourself. So let's say you got global aphasia, a question incorrect. Now write three facts down about global aphasia. There you go. You've created, you're slowly starting to create this worksheet of personalized topics that were once hard for you. This way you're not wasting your time Mm -hmm. on stuff you already know. The stuff you already know doesn't have to be perfect, but it should be where you get a question and you're able to kind of realize which two out of the four options are right? Oh my gosh, Sam, you're giving it all away. Settle down. I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> I told you I'm an open book. I'm just kidding. I think this was really, really helpful. I super appreciate that information. As a person who's getting ready to take the Praxis yeah. in December, this is all good for me. I am hopefully going to be getting your package too. My group of friends actually all wants to do it together. So that cohort option sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we still have that now. It's yeah. just that Patreon is just an absolute mess trying to organize things. So I'm happy we're getting off of that. The it's really cool to have your own website. It is. It is pretty cool. It's a little nerve wracking because I'm so like, I'm so bad at spelling. Spelling is just not my strong suit. So I'm always like paranoid that something is spelled wrong, but it is a lot of fun. Yeah. Just- and you know, just putting it out there. Hey, spelling's not my greatest skill. So don't at me. <laughs> Oh my God, I, it's funny you say that because I posted something on Facebook and my Facebook name is speaking of semantics. And there's always someone who comments, you spelled semantics wrong. <laughs> I like have so many responses that I want to reply back and most of them aren't nice. You just <laughs> like, got to drop a, a story that says like, it's Sam. And I'm like, hey, my name is Sam. Usually I'll just write like, my name is Sam, period. <laughs> and then one was like oh I get it now that's funny and I was like oh thanks thanks every time I go to to write semantics like speaking of semantics I I always make sure I'm saying semantics instead of semantics yeah. every time though now I'm like oh gosh which is the right one you're infiltrating the mind I know I'm sorry <laughs> so how do you balance being a practicing SLP, having three Instagram accounts, having this test prep, and just being a human being? It's really hard. I'm going to be completely honest. It's really hard. And this summer, I feel like I've been having a really hard time with it. 
because I'm far away from family. I'm exploring a new place, but I also run everything myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So whenever I do go on vacation or on the weekends, whatever I'm not doing is just getting backed up, whether it be DMs, emails, all of that. So I'm very proud to say that I hired someone officially to help me with customer service. It is my sister, but... Yay, sis! (laughs) Yeah, I did hire her because I'm realizing that I can't do everything myself. I love how this, like, anytime you contact me, it's always me mm-hmm. answer, whether it be DM, email, or all of that. And I've always wanted to keep it that way, but there are some things that I kind of have to give up and some things that, you know, I have to just delegate to other people, but it is hard. And I think that I did a lot of soul searching this summer and I realized that nothing is ever as urgent as it seems. I always like got scared. And this is advice for business people, graduate students. I always, always, always am checking my email. And whenever I see something that needs a response, I feel like I always need to give that person a response now, whether that be your clinical educator, Mm -hmm. someone complaining about some stickers or something else. But at the end of the day, nothing is as urgent as it seems. Give yourself, or I try to give myself the weekends off. Um, at least this summer, but it's really hard. It's really hard kind of setting boundaries. I know I talk, I tell everyone to set boundaries, but I can't even listen to my own advice um, because it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to tell, tell someone no and not feel bad about it. Oh yeah. But my, um, I had a client in my home health care and, and he was a uh, retired psychologist. And the best advice he ever gave me was it was a full sentence. It doesn't require any explanation afterwards. And I was like, yes. Oh yeah, I love that. One of the one of the things I always think about when it comes to emails, and I learned this when I worked in the business world for a long time. No one, everyone is sending an email to get it checked off of their box. Like they're trying to get their box checked most of the time. Like no one is sitting by the computer waiting for your answer. Most of the time, they're like, "Don't answer me because then I have more I need to do." <laughs> Unless they're like actually waiting for an answer to like get a project done. That's a little different. But most of the time people are sending that email so they can check it off their box. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely (laughs) right about that. I never thought of it that way because I'm always doing that. I'm like, oh, I got to send this email. Just check it off the box. I leave it on unread because I get so much anxiety when I have something on unread, but I need to do that to myself because I won't remember to answer it. But at the same time, no one is... the best is when you are prepping an email to send to someone like for me when I'm reaching out to get someone on the podcast I'm like I must send this email out right now they don't know I'm coming like I'm gonna ask them to do this (laughs) no one is is waiting for that (laughs) that is true yeah it's okay and I I think too that we get so stuck like getting excited about something that's going to happen in the future so we're excited for the weekend we're excited for the summer. We're excited to graduate. We're excited to, you know, become an SLP. We're excited to retire. There's always something we're looking forward to. And I started to realize that, like, I'm just kind of wasting my life away, preparing myself for the future, and I'm not enjoying the now. Mm-hmm. So I think I really try to just hone into how can I make today a little special? And I just started treating myself, you know, allowing myself to get that coffee in the morning, even though it's like five bucks, but like just little things that make each day a little special because we're kind of wasting our life away with the mundane days, excited for the two two days 
we get a week for that we have nothing to do when mm -hmm. you can make each day a little special. And that goes for students in grad school. That goes for licensed SLPs. You can kind of go for everyone. Whatever makes you happy, find a hobby, find something outside of the speech world, because it is so easy to get sucked into the black hole of speech pathology and not be able to get yourself out. Mm -hmm. There are tons and tons of SLPs now who go to work all day and who get home and have zero energy for life. Yeah. So I'm going to start our wrap up section soon, but I have one final question about your social media presence, which is where do you want this to go? That is a good question. I wanted to stay exactly the same, I think. I think that I've found a community that is learning with me how to set boundaries, how to love yourself for the person you exactly are, how to not crave perfection. And I think that my little space on Instagram, I hope brings people laughter, relatability, and just makes them feel seen in a world where everything always seems to need need to look or be perfect mm -hmm. so if I can just stick with the whole like hey no one is perfect out there no matter how hard they may try to make it seem like they're perfect and we're all just kind of winging it and we all just kind of laugh through our our, our work day I mean we're all just work wives I think that's what it is we're all just work wives <laughs> to one another yes yeah <laughs> love it so let's get to the wrap up we're wrapping it up we're almost done like a little present what is your dream job? Ooh, honestly, I think I'm loving it. I have really beaten myself up about the fact that I'm not treating right now. I've told myself time and time again, like you spend so much money on grad school and you're not teaching. But slowly I'm coming to the realization that you can be a speech pathologist in so many different settings. Um, you can be a speech pathologist in a private practice or in whatever. Sorry, what was your main question? I like completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's okay. So it was, what is your dream job? But I do have one piece of feedback to what you said. Yeah. You said that you're not, you said not teaching, but I think you mean not practicing. In right. a way, you are doing exactly that. You are providing this community and you are, everything that you've learned and everything that you did in grad school, you're utilizing now for this community. And you're utilizing a lot of it to help people who feel like they don't have a voice at this stage yeah. in their career. So I think you're doing, I mean, you are doing what you went to school for, just in a different way. Yeah. And that's one of those things, like, it's so hard to convince your, your brain otherwise. Mm -hmm. Like you're doing, I'm doing exactly what I want to do. Yet sometimes I have that imposter syndrome where I'm like, well, maybe I should just go get a job just to be, just to be treating. But you're right. Like I'm, I'm, do, I'm helping people. Mm -hmm. That's really what pathology comes down to. I'm helping people and that's what I'm doing. And my dream job, I always thought that I wanted to kind of work at a school, like eventually transition into um, the life of, you know, some sort of professor. But I'm like, I can reach so many more people by just being myself on Instagram. I don't have to be tied to any specific school. I just want to be that person that I needed in grad school for everyone else. Yeah, I think you're doing a lot of that. You you are a practicing SLP just in a different way that no one has been an SLP before. You're, you're right about that. You're doing it. You are a speech-language pathologist. You're teaching those of us who need a little extra support and a little extra guidance to become SLPs. Like, it's almost the ultimate level. Yeah, you're right. You're right. 
You're right. Thank you for that. Of course. I mean, honestly, in this community, we see you. Everybody knows who you are. You're reaching a lot of people. You're helping a lot of people. The community sees you. The community reaches out to you. That is why this feels like a full-time job right now because so many people are relying on you and your experiences and your teachings and really just uplifting a lot of people that don't feel heard. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. I always tell people, I'm like, there's a lot of SLPs on Instagram with really big followings. And I never want to be just like another person with a big following that everyone just kind of like, oh my gosh, everything Sam says. I'm like, call me out on my shit. Like call me out when I'm doing things wrong. I am just a regular person like everyone else. And I am just letting everyone know that like, hey, my story is just as similar as yours. We can fail tests. We can have really crappy GPAs. We can not get into all grad schools, yet we can still be successful speech pathologists. Absolutely. Part of the wrap up, what is your go-to movie, book, or TV series that you like to consume when you need a mood boost? Oh, ooh, this might be like, people not may not like expect this from me, but I love really crappy reality TV. That is just a common thread on this pod. <laughs> yes, I love uh, Below Deck, Real Housewives, anything that like my brain doesn't actually have to pay attention to, but I could have on in the background. <laughs> Favorite movies, I would say. This is also funny. Like, I'm so not a serious person. Favorite movies, I would say, are Pitch Perfect and Step Brothers. I could mm -hmm. watch those on repeat all day, every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's basically what I do on my, on my time off. Love it. So where can our listeners find and follow you, Sam? So I run way too many Instagram pages, but my main one is speaking of semantics. It's uh, semantics is spelled S-A-M, not S-E-M. Or you can find me on the SLP test prep, but the Instagram is just SLP test prep. That's my test prep program. I newly uh, started the SLP grad network, which is kind of what the SLP grad club was, except I changed it a little. The SLP grad network is just supposed to be like a free Instagram page for relatable grad school stuff, but also resources. So that's SLP grad network on Instagram. If you like any of these designs, or if you like speech stuff, you can find all of my designs on speakingofsemantics.com. I think that's about it. Okay. And Guys, all of that will be linked in the show notes below so we can find all of Sam's super awesome things online. Buy some stickers. You know, my super awesome quote from before, which was haters are going to hate and lovers aren't going to say shit. Feel free to drop that on one of those. I will take the I'm credit. Down. I'm down. <laughs> all right, Sam, thank you so very much for today. I absolutely loved doing this. This was so great. I want you to know everything you do is super influential in our world. And I know it doesn't feel that way because we're just humble humans, but people are there. People are listening. People are engaging. They love you. Thank you for having me on. Thank everyone for loving me for who I am. I love you guys just as much back. And my DMs are always open. I know I complain a lot about how I have a lot of work, but DMs <laughs> is something that I kind of really take to heart because again, I don't want to just be that influencer or whatever with a lot of followers that answers nobody. So I answer every single message it may take me a couple of days, but I do. And it'll all be okay. Because what's so bad about anything that happens, nothing, mm -hmm. you'll survive in the end. 
So, guys, like Sam mentioned before, reality TV is important. It is a Monday night. In 30 minutes, I got to go watch The Bachelorette. Go, Charity Lawson. I am pumped for the men tell all. So we will catch you all next week. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to Speeching It Real. Please help us reach a bigger audience by rating us five stars and dropping a review. You can contact me anytime on Instagram at speechingitreal or via email at speechingitreal at gmail.com. You can reach out with any questions, comments, or recommendations.